0: Let's try that again. Sani Bonani! Yay. Okay. Good morning, everybody. That's what I said. And you replied, yes. Good morning. It's good to be with you again. I believe we were last year, what is it, like March of last year. So a lot has happened since then. I'm going to tell you about that. But we're here family school and part of the family is the kids so there's a special story that I want you to see that was produced by a missionary to Africa and it's kind of like a a fable so it's got uh, animals in there and so I'm sure you are gonna like it we sang a good song about one door and only one well this kind of has the same theme. So, let's look at the video here. The right, the right arrow. Oh, sure. The bottom right arrow. Did I get it?
1: I wonder if there is a God. You pray and say you talk to him. I tried, but it's like talking to a brick wall. Dowdy, the jungle doctor's assistant, nodded. You feel you're on the wrong side of the wall. You long to find the way to the other side, God's side. Listen to my story one day the animals were shocked to find they were cut off from the best part of the jungle by a huge wall the greenest grass the shadiest trees the clearest springs of water all were beyond their reach Twiga the giraffe shook his head we're all in trouble that wall is high it's solid and it goes on and on i can't see the end of it we must get to the other side This side is desert, dry and dusty. It's disaster. Rhinoceros was furious. He snorted angrily and stamped his great feet. His little eyes were red. He rumbled, stop talking then and let's do something. Do something.
2: Great
1: war. Ha! Now stand back. I'll go through it through it do you hear rhino charged the faster he ran the more the ground shook two tons of raging rhino hurtled towards the wall closer closer co the trees trembled dust rose in clouds but the great wall stood exactly as it was before rhino staggered back dazed and giddy his front feet clutching his crumpled horn. That wall has strength, said Giraffe. It is a terrible barrier between us and the good things.
2: There is certainly no way through it. Um... said Boohoo the hippo. You're right. There's no way through that, uh, uh, wall. Mbisi, the
1: hyena, laughed his ugly laugh. <laughs> what you
3: need is not weight, but wisdom.
1: Not bulk, but brains. There was a sneer in his voice.
3: With my nimble mind, I shall find a way
1: round that wall. We will watch you with interest, said Giraffe. They saw Hyena slink away in the direction of the sunset. From the distance came his laugh.
3: (laughs) I'll get round it.
1: All night long they waited. At dawn, Toto the monkey started straightening Rhino's buckled horn. He was still at it when Giraffe saw Hyena limping miserably back, weary, bleary and footsore. He couldn't even giggle. He muttered,
3: It's endless. There's no way round that wall. No way.
2: Oh, remarked Boohoo, raising one eyebrow. No way round it, eh? It goes on and uh On, does it? He blinked. <coughs> then that uh, means no way through, no way round. Mzoka, the snake, softly uncoiled himself
1: and head swaying he hissed, you animals of strength and so-called wisdom have all failed,
3: but I with my splendid supple spine will find a way
1: under the wall hissing with confidence he slithered out of sight the animals stared at the wall and then at the hole in the ground they watched and waited suddenly snake appeared facing the wall
3: I've succeeded he hissed I snake alone of all creatures in the jungle have reached the other side of this wall
1: Giraffe spoke gently. Actually, you're still on the same side as all the rest of us. Snake's eyes glittered with anger. No
3: animal could have done what I did. None of you have the cunning or skill or suppleness to move as I do. There is no way under that wall. If there was I, Snake would have found it.
2: Boohoo smiled. I'm rather, um, uh, glad there's no way under. Rather a tight fit for hippos, I, uh, uh, think. He raised both his eyebrows. That means, uh, uh, no way through the wall, uh, no way round the wall, uh, no way... Under the wall.
1: Monkey chuckled and chattered. He jumped up and down and shouted to all the animals, Why didn't you ask me before? I, Monkey, can
3: climb anything. I, Monkey, can climb over that wall. Dweger, stand close and give me a helping neck and I'll be over in a jiffy. Watch, everyone. Here we go. There's nothing like monkey muscle.
1: Up giraffe's tail he went, along his back, up his neck, onto his head, and then up, up, up the wall he climbed. Uh, uh,
2: he'll do it, mumbled him. But the
1: wall was becoming smoother and smoother. Monkey slowed, slipped, clutched frantically with his front paws, groped vainly with his back paws, his tail swung futilely in the air, and down, down! Down he went, over and over to land, ka-plop, at Elephant's feet. Winded, dazed and shocked, Monkey lay there while Elephant did artificial respiration. Giraffe took over and did mouth-to-mouth treatment, till at long last Monkey revived. Elephant's eyes asked the question. Monkey shook his aching head and gasped out, No, no way over that wall.
3: No way over.
2: Hmm, thought Lulu. Then there is no way uh, through or round or um, under or um, uh, over that wall. None at all.
1: All the animals sat sadly under the leafless Boohoo tree. Dowdy stopped and looked into the faces of those who listened. That wall was a thing of no joy to those who lived in the jungle. They wanted to be on the good side, the side that means life, real life. But there was no way. But it's different for us. There is a wall which separates us from God. It is the great barrier that cuts us off from him. By ourselves, we can't get to the other side. But come close. There is a gap in the Great Wall. There is one way. Jesus made it when he died for us on the cross. The great news is that Jesus loves you. He came back to life, and he invites whoever wants to, to come to him. He welcomes you. Ask him to take you through the great wall, that is, to forgive your sin and then take charge of your life.
0: the lights now. If our sound guys can figure it out. (laughs) Okay. There's one way. That way is the way of the cross, Jesus Christ. You know, in Africa uh, and in America, people think there's many ways to God. And that's why we're going there, to show them that there is only one way that way is Jesus Christ. A lot of the people in South Africa think that they can get to God through their ancestors and they think that when their ancestors die, parents die, grandparents die, they don't really die. They kind of just hover around as spirits And if you need something from God or from the supernatural realm, you go to your ancestors and you talk to your ancestors. Maybe you sacrifice on their graves or do some ritual. And then you start talking to them. And believe it or not, Sometimes they get answers. Who are they getting answers from? Are they getting answers from their ancestors? No. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, do you know what? The judgment. When you die, you need to prepare Now, for when you die, because when you die, you're going to meet your maker. You're going to meet judgment. And once you die, if you haven't met Jesus Christ, the only way, it's too late. So you need to know him now. Now, I know I've showed these before, but maybe some of you young ones haven't seen it, so I'm just going to remind you a little bit about South Africa, the things that we eat, the things that we do there. And this applies to not just South Africa, but all over Africa, much of this. Mealy pop. Now it's not soda pop, as some people call it. It's not pop like that. It's not a fizzy drink. It's kind of like mashed potatoes, but it's made out of corn and it's really thick and you can eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner if you really desire, and a lot of people do that because it's a very cheap food. So they grind up corn and they make food out of it. What kind of animal is this, children? Cow, what kind of cow, part of the cow do you like to eat? What's your favorite part? Steak. How about hamburger? You like hamburgers? I like hamburgers. When I'm in South Africa, one of the things I can wish I had is a good Culver's hamburger, because we can't get those in South Africa. But in South Africa, they do eat the whole cow, so that includes the legs, the tail, the cheeks, the brains, the intestines, and nothing goes to waste. There's something else they eat. Now, they don't eat this. You know what that is, right? Walkie-talkie, handheld radio. Uh, they don't eat that, but they do eat this. Walkie-talkie, okay? The feet and the, the heads of the chickens. One time we were out soul winning, and talking to the, these people are, that were gathered around this uh, fire. There's a couple ladies there, and the one lady, uh, bought for our kids what this lady was selling. It was chicken feet on the grill, and so my kids ate the chicken feet. And they'll tell you it's good. I trust them. <laughs> you, you know what I mean. <laughs> when they offer me chicken feet, well, they never have, thankfully. Thankfully, I I might not say no, but this is how you say no. Put your tongue at the back of your top teeth. Can you do that for me? And then make a noise like you're calling a horse. And then also say a C at the same time, ka. Can you do that? Ka, okay, now remember that word I taught you before, sani bonani, and then you said what? Yebo, that means yes, okay. So there's a little bit about South Africa. Now, I want to talk about families and children and parents and serving God. Psalm 127. Can you turn there with me? Psalm 127. And I want to tell you a little secret about the world. I've been on the mission field. Uh, the first, since the first time I went, it's been 12 years. And as a family, we've been on the field for about nine years. I've noticed that there's a lot of movements with missionaries to and from the field. But do you understand what's happening nowadays? Are there more missionaries going to or more missionaries coming from? What do you think? It's the second. More missionaries are leaving the mission field than are replacing them. Now, it's not always bad for a missionary to leave the mission field because sometimes God changes your location. Okay? And I'm not saying that's bad. Sometimes it's not good, but not always. But shouldn't there be more missionaries going to the mission field than are coming from the mission field? When I was in school, the population of the world was between five and six billion people, I believe. Now, It's over 7 billion people. There are now, when I was in school, there was one country that had over 1 billion people. Do you know what country that was in the 90s? China. Did you know there's another country in the same continent that now has over a billion people? Do you know what country that is? India. 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 Did you know that Africa, alone has one billion people. So right there, you've got half of the world's population between Africa, India, and China. Did you know that Brazil is about the same size as the continental United States? Land-wise, there's a lot of people there. There's a lot of people in Europe These people need to hear the gospel. So today I'd like to get you thinking about, as a family and children, parents, even grandparents, what are we doing with our families? Psalm 127, verse 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his... Reward. and I'm glad in this church people know that children are a reward. Now, I want us to look at that next verse. Are you there, children? Psalm 127, verse 4. Let's read the next two words, or the next... Let's just read the whole verse together. Verse 4. Psalm 127, verse 4. Let's read. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man... So are children of the youth. How many of you have ever made a bow and arrow? Okay, I did when I was younger. I don't want to show you what quality it was, but we all, you know, heard about what they used to use in the old days, and we wanted to do it ourselves, made a bow and an arrow. I even once made a gun out of a weed. It was like a rubber band gun, and it was a hollow stemmed weed. You got that thing to shoot. That was pretty fun. When you have a bow and an arrow, there's a target you want to hit, right? Have you ever shot a bow and an arrow? You want to hit that target, right? So you take that bow. Let's say that our target is the exit sign over there. It's blinking. Yep. Okay, the exit sign. So we take our bow and our arrow and we just kind of go like this, right, right, and then we hope it kind of curves over there. Is that what we do? No. What do we do? Pull back, release. Now don't look at my, uh, how I'm pretending because I probably hold my arrow wrong, but you aim. You aim for your target, right? Parents, we got to aim our children to serve the Lord. I'm not telling you exactly what you have to aim them for, but you need to aim them to serve the Lord with their lives. What is it? Children are an heritage of the Lord. Did you know the world is preparing their children to do something with their lives. And it's not to serve the Lord. I remember reading an article in an African publication, or hearing a story, I think it was a news story online, and a lady talked about how her child was, I believe, murdered. Her only child. And she was talking about how terrible that was, and it was. But one line of her statement was very revealing. She said, I invested all of this time and money and effort into his life, and now he's not going to be able to take care of me when I get older because somebody murdered him. You understand what I'm getting at? Her investment in her child was not for eternity. It was all about what I can get out of him when he gets older. And now someone has ripped that from me, and I'm never going to get it. In many parts of the world, that's what kids are all about. Kids are all about taking care of you when you get older. Maybe in America we don't have such selfish desires, but we have other selfish desires. You know, grandkids. Kids are to have fun with. But children are in heritage of the Lord. Now there was a lady in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Her name was Hannah, and I I want us to think about her a little bit, and now we're going to look at 1 Samuel 3. But Hannah was a lady in a Not a very uh, God-honoring relationship. Not the way God wanted it to be, okay? Wasn't the way God designed it, but there was a man who had two wives. So if you've got a mom and a dad that live together, you have something that a lot of people in the whole world don't have. A mom and a dad who are married and committed to one another. Well... Hannah was in a relationship that wasn't quite like that. She had a husband, but her husband had another wife. And that caused a lot of problems in the home, especially because Hannah didn't have any kids. And that created a lot of jealousy. Can you imagine living in a home like that? And so she went to the tabernacle, she prayed, she said, God, give me a son. And if you give me a son, I'm going to dedicate him to serve you with his whole life. And what happened? God gave her a son. And she kept her promise to God. And one day she took Samuel to the temple and dropped him off. And she only came back to visit him. She dropped him off handed him over to Eli, and Eli became kind of like his father, his mentor, the one to train him. But have you ever thought of what Hannah did in that short time she had her child with her? What did she do with Samuel? Do you think she just kind of had fun with him and and enjoyed being with him and feeding him and taking care of him? I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. Let's look at 1 Samuel 3. And children, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn there and I'd like you to follow along carefully thinking about Samuel and his preparation to serve God with his life and what it took for him to serve God. 1 Samuel 3. In this day and age in America, in the world, we need people who are willing and ready to serve God, now more than ever before. And in a time like that, there's great opportunity. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. There was a time when God's word was precious. People had the word of God. They didn't have a lot. They didn't have it like we have it, though, today. They had the first five books of the Bible. Maybe they had the book of Job as well. But that's about it. Maybe they had Psalm 90, which was written by Moses, but nothing else. And if they were going to know what God wanted them to do, they had to have a man of God who would reveal to them God's will and direction for them and their lives. And so that man, does anybody know who that man was at that time in Israel? who was that man that was supposed to be leading God's people spiritually? Eli. Was he doing it? Nope. I believe he was saved, but he wasn't walking with God. Now, I would imagine that probably almost everybody here today is saved. But that doesn't mean that someday when you stand before God, that He's going to say, Wow, you lived a profitable life for me. So, what is it going to take? Well, let's continue on here. It came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see, and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now, if you want to be used by God with your life, you need to have a character trait that Samuel had. And I believe that Hannah must have trained Samuel to be this way. Because if you look at Eli's children, were they like this? No, they were wicked. When people would bring a sacrifice to the temple of God, they would take part that they shouldn't have taken. Back in those days, if you study the Bible, it appears that there were women who served at the door of the tabernacle. I don't know exactly what they did, but you can find them um, in the time of Moses. And it says that Eli's sons were immoral with those women. They were wicked people. They weren't following God. They weren't willing to be used by God. They didn't have that character trait. Their parents didn't instill in them through hard work, effort, and discipline, the character trait of willingness. Now, let's look a little bit at that character trait of willingness. That's what you need to have if you want to be used by God. You need to be willing to be used by God. You need to, to right now, at whatever age you are, but especially if you're young, say, God, whatever you want me to do with my life, I'm going to do it. Lord, show me what you want me to do with my life. I want to be used how you want me to be used because did you know God has a plan for your life? He's got a purpose for your life. I believe he's got a purpose for everybody's life and he wants to use everybody for his glory. So what is your purpose? Have you found it? Are you willing? Well, you're not going to find it if you're not willing. Now, let's think about this in a practical sense. If you're a child today and your parent calls you, what do you do? If your dad says, Go take out the trash. Or your dad says, I'll I'll use one of my kids' names since they're here. I don't know all your kids' names. Peter, go take out the trash. Peter doesn't hear me, but he does hear his name. So he says, yes, Dad, I'm coming. That's what he should do, right? He comes, and then he says, Dad, you called me. What would you like me to do? Or what did you say, Dad? Isn't that what Samuel did? Samuel's laying down in bed. He's sleepy. He hears, Samuel. And, you know, when you're falling asleep, sometimes you're foggy a little bit as to what's going on. And so he thought, oh, I heard my name. Eli must have been calling, so here am I. And did he just stay there? No, you know what a lot of kids do? I know because I, I used to be a kid. What, was that really Eli calling? Go back to sleep. You know, use this, uh, This you know, kids are great psychologists, you know. If my parent wasn't very clear, then I'm not going to come because it could have been that he was calling Susie. Well, Peter and Susie don't sound similar, but uh, I didn't hear very clearly, so I'm not going to come until my father clearly says peter now i'm just using peter i'm not saying he does this but that's what kids can do right that's what we can do god you didn't clearly call me to win a soul today so uh i'm not sure that you wanted me to do it i'm not sure that you wanted me to talk to that person about jesus so god you've got to make it abundantly 100 percent crystal clear but that's not what samuel did Samuel heard his name, and he knew he's calling. So he, he thought, he thought Eli's calling. Here am I, and what did he do next? He just kind of dragged his feet. Oh, I'm coming one of these days. Did he do that? What did he do? He ran. Here am I, for you called me. How many times did he say, here am I? Well, it looks like he said it twice because he wanted to make sure that Eli knew, I'm here, I'm ready to obey. He was willing. That's what we need to do as Christians, be willing. Whenever God says something, to do it. Number two, if you wanna be used by God, you've gotta be obedient. Now, Eli finally figured out that God's talking to this child. So Eli said, Samuel, when God talks to you, you know what you need to do? You need to say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And it says that Samuel didn't yet know the Lord. But when he finally figured out that the Lord was talking to him, oh, this is the voice of God. He said, yes, speak, Lord. Your servant hears, and Sometimes God's speaking to our hearts and so we don't know he's talking to us because, you know, we're foggy. Our, we have brain fog. If any of you got COVID, you know what brain fog is like. You know, things are a little bit foggy. But spiritually, our, our, our spirits can be a little bit foggy when God is talking to us. But when we finally out, figure out that God is talking, we need to say, yes, Lord, the lord came and stood and called as at other times samuel samuel then samuel answered speak for thy servant heareth now there was a man in the book of acts that this same type of thing happened to him god was talking to him god was pricking his conscience and he didn't quite have it figured out that god was pricking his conscience but he he was uncomfortable in and, and it was jesus that was Uh, that, that appeared to him. And Jesus showed up to Saul while he's going to persecute Christians. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Do you, do you understand what's happening here? Saul didn't know that God, that Jesus Christ, was calling him. But when he found out that it was, what did he do? He said, Yes. Jesus, you're the Lord. I'll do what you said. I'll, I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, what God had for him. But when you hear God's calling, you got to go. Now, I happen to remember when I was in Bible college, people standing up in testimony time or even at church and people giving a testimony and say, God called me to be a missionary to Africa. God called me to... Plant a church. God called me to do this. God called me to do that. Do you know how many of them did it? One out of five? Something like that. Why? Because it takes more than willingness. You've got to take that step. You know what I mean by you've got to take that step? Your dad says, take out the garbage, son. And then he walks out the house and he goes to work. And you think, oh, good, I've got nine hours here. Takes him half an hour to get to work. Eight hours at work, half an hour to get back. So let me look at the clock now. Oh, it's 7 in the morning. Okay, you do the math. By what time is it in the afternoon, 4 in the afternoon? I've got to have that trash out. But right now, I've got what I want to do. No, that's that reminds me of the guy that got, I might have told this story here before. God called him to be a preacher. So he got his training to be a preacher, and he decided, I'm going to take a year off, make some money or whatever, and enjoy life a little bit. Went on a canoe trip. Canoe capsized. I personally know people that have died because they weren't following God. I know for sure. One of them I know 100% for sure that this person died because this person wasn't following God. Do you know that can happen? Do you know that if you are a true child of God and God calls you and you say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it, but you don't take that step of obedience, you might have some material blessing in your life, but God's going to start doing some things in your life to try to get your attention. So let me just challenge you children, adults, if God calls you, don't just be willing, be obedient. And then the last thing I want us to see from this chapter is be truthful. The world needs truth. I believe it's the book of Hosea. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. People today need truth. And God told Samuel this. He said, behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. That was a message that was going to cause some discomfort. Now, I just kind of want to look at The opposite. The opposite of a tingling message is what? A comfortable message, right? Isn't that what Paul told Timothy was going to happen in the last days? People were going to go get the preacher who gave them the comfort, the message of comfort. 2 Timothy 4, verse 4, "...and they shall turn away their ears from the truth." and shall be turned unto fables. The verse before it says after their own lust lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So the message that people need to hear is the message that is not always what they want to hear. There are some people that want to hear the message of Jesus because God has prepared their hearts and there's other people they need to hear the message of judgment. That's not comfortable. And what did Eli, uh, Samuel do? Samuel was afraid to show Eli the message. But then Eli threatened him. said, my curse be upon you if you don't tell me the whole thing. So Samuel told him every wit and head hid nothing from him. Verse 19. After he was willing, obedient, and truthful, this was the result in his life. Are you there? 1 Samuel 3, verse 19. Let's look at the result of Samuel's life, and this can be your life too. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground, and all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, the whole land of Israel, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And notice verse 21. This is the most wonderful part right here. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. Why? For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. It just took one person. You can be that one person. One person who was willing, obedient, and truthful. And you could be a child. Even a child is known by his doings. And God can use you greatly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth that Jesus is the only way to heaven, the only way to peace with God, the only way to a relationship with God. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ personally, may they meet him today. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that has learned they need to be willing or maybe they just need to be obedient or they just need to be willing to be truthful and tell the whole truth. I pray that that would happen in their lives. We thank you for your word and that we do have it